But it's PG thirteen. We could say that word. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just not if Apple it's... says no. Um, oh, stupid Apple! <laughs> it's a buttload. Can I say buttload? Is that allowed? I hate being censored. Yeah, that was golden. I love. I it. like simplicity, and I like it to be very couples. clean. All acted very simple. The matching couples. Oh my lord! Strange. I hate the matching couples. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm attracted to normal looking women. Right, but that's not accurate. You have weird tastes. Those are all things that most of us could really improve on. It's gonna, it's gonna vary wildly, if anyone listens at all. That's what I call interesting. No real substance? That's super interesting. Fascinating, almost. Welcome to While We're on the Subject, where we talk about what we talk about. Now here's the show. Good to go? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why not? Alright. Hi, Mike. Hey, John. How you doing, man? I'm I'm doing great, super great actually. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. Had to get up a little early today. Uh, our time difference now is just abominable. It's, yeah, it, it's pretty cruddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The west coast of the U.S. to like Irish time is just not the business. Yeah, God. yeah. You're you're early time, but I'm staying up late. And I feel my brain melting into my face. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's not it's not great. So we haven't recorded an episode in a while. We have not. Yeah, we took a bit of a hiatus um, since like just months. We took we basically took the whole summer. Yeah, a lot a lot of time. A lot of time. And it's weird because I think we had this intention to record an episode when we were together. We did. Yeah. And we just did not. We just did not it's it's not even like we didn't have the time to we just didn't. we just didn't yeah we we're, just yeah. sat around and we're hung so, out and yeah yeah we were so engrossed and just hanging out that we were just like you know that was not the time. yeah it was great seeing you in california though um yeah it, it was, was nice to be home yeah so i yeah. obviously so i left china um was traveling around peru for a while and then the u.s for a while and now i've settled down here in ireland um, which is great but yeah like i love a good california road trip and hanging out with you in Sequoia and Yosemite was probably the highlight, I would say. Yeah, it was good yeah, stuff. It was very pleasant. Yeah, and I apologize to everybody for us not recording anything over the summer or anything like that because uh, it was just really difficult with the logistics and internet issues yeah. of trying to travel and moving time zones and continents and the job search. And you, you got yourself a new job, right? I did, but I already put in my two weeks. Cause what? Of, yeah, I got an offer for a better job, and then after that... <laughs> How long were you there? Mm, two weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like, I'm leaving, uh, like, the fifth week that I've been there. Nice. Yeah, like, they put a lot of time into, like, training me, and as soon as the training was over, I, I oh, got, like, a phone call from a place I interviewed at, and they were just like... Oh, we'd love to offer you a job. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot that I had, you know, interviewed with you guys. But yes, I would love a job. It's closer to home. It pays more. It's just all around, like, just a better fit for me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I just turned in my two weeks. And then not long after I got that job offer, I ended up getting, like, two or three interviews for places that pay even more money that are just as close to home. And so I've just been interviewing like crazy and and hoping for the best and no wonder your life's been so hectic yeah i haven't been able to get on a call with you in weeks yeah but it's been pretty good though i have no complaints about all the time that i'm putting in because all that time is definitely leading to more money better opportunities a more flexible schedule that makes it easier for me to go to school it's just it's all better nice no you want to talk about what you're doing at all or what the jobs are 
Um, no, no pressure. I mean, I don't, I don't feel very pressured. They're actually all pretty simple jobs. I mean, the job offer I did get was for like a maintenance coordinator, which is basically like an agent who works for like a property management company. Okay. Sending out independent contractors out to fix any issues that tenants or property owners have. Okay, cool. They're set properties, and then the jobs I've been interviewing for are mostly like customer service jobs for like trucking companies and manufacturing companies and they've gone surprisingly well and so it's it's cool you know nice i yeah. might be making the kind of money where i don't have to think about money you know what i mean and so that's been great yeah it's nice i remember when i got my first like proper job and it was just oh look money i I don't have to worry about this yeah i don't have I can, I can fill up my gas tank like oh isn't that nice yeah and so yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of what they are and they're a lot of them are offering me like an insane amount of money where i'm just like really you think this is what the job is worth yes please please give it to yeah, me yeah it, it's kind of crazy having the economy be at such a high because since we've been adults it's kind of been shitty terrible to terrible, terribleness yes. to average and barely okay and now it's just like oh look there's it's so great yeah. it's so much better than any time since we've yeah. been adults it's, it's it's a nice situation anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of your life or anything like that uh it's weird taking like honor classes mm. and then like having like conversations with the with the instructors and then being like i'm so glad you're in my class it really adds a lot to it because i feel for like a long time i was kind of an underachiever you know what i mean I do. And now it's weird to be in, like, the best of the best classes or whatever they're supposed to be. The most, I don't know. And then just sure, yeah. and then being able to, like, just have, like, personal conversations with the instructors and then just kind of appreciating that you're in the class at all. Pretty wild to me. It's yeah, pretty yeah, wild yeah. to me. It's a yeah. nice feeling, I gotta say. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. I feel like everything that's happening, despite its hecticness, is the best stuff that could be possibly happening to me right now. Yeah, what about you, John? Nice. How's... Irish living. Uh, things are fine. Yeah, well, I got an apartment, which I was super excited about because, you know, we were going to, like, apartment showings and there were, like, 30 people in front of us at every one, but we managed to get one, so I'm, we're, I'm settled down here in Dublin, which is pretty nice. It's nice to not be moving around again after a couple months of just constantly being on the move. Yeah, that, that's really nice. Uh, and it's also nice to be out of hot weather. God, it was just so bad when i was in beijing right at the end just in terms of the heat and then being in la and out in vegas and stuff just the heat was during the summer of all time right obviously yeah this was july so it was like oh my god and even like new york was terrible yeah so just i mean i i really enjoyed the traveling and everything don't get me wrong it's just it's nice to have cool weather up here and i'm i'm in the midst of the job hunt you know we'll, we'll see where it goes oh, i imagine it's been somewhat of a struggle just because of visa complications out here in ireland but you know that's the way it is it's part of living abroad that you just have to deal with these sorts of things but i've really been yeah i've really been enjoying it out here it's nice looks beautiful <laughs> seems quaint yeah it is it's it's yeah it, well you know it's it's more suburban than i thought okay. it was but it's very compact still somehow and so yeah it's it's just nice down here it, you can get around real easily you can bike anywhere pretty quickly i mean but i i have to mention that's kind of pleasant like where you live is suburban and where you socialize might be a little more urban yeah yeah it, like i feel like that's the kind of like distinction or dichotomy that you want well you and know? i would say that no place here is particularly urban but 
it's just the suburban aspects of it are still pretty dense. Like you're still dealing with smaller streets. You're still dealing with like every house is two stories, for instance. Wow. Houses don't really have side yards. They mostly are adjoined to the house next to them. So that means they get more houses on one block kind of thing. You know what I mean? Okay, I see. You've got much smaller streets. You generally don't have like full parking spots. So you've got much less space assigned for that. So you have people parking up on the sidewalk and the curb a lot and things like that. So just the whole city is like 30% smaller. And then you don't have massive streets. Like back home in LA, you would have these big, I don't even want to call them boulevards, but it'd be like four lanes each way, like Lakewood Boulevard, where it's just this enormous valley or river of cement running down through the middle of your neighborhood. Mm, I like that. Um, that divides everything. Whereas here, the biggest streets you have are like two lane. Right. And they're not even really two lane. So, right, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure a lot of those streets were created with no idea of cars. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but this is my point. This is why everything's closer together, um, which is just nice. Because having the massive streets, everybody having a big yard, everybody having a detached home, everybody having driveways, and even having frontage roads and things on the major streets... Like, all of that adds a lot of distance that you have to walk or bike if you're trying to walk or bike places. And not having all of that really makes everything much closer, which is which is just great. I've really been enjoying it. Sean feels very strongly that that road should not be car-friendly. I think cities should be focused on people, not on cars, yes. It's wild. We'll probably get into that some other time. John, can I ask you a question? I know this seems so out of left field. Sure. How do you feel about the educational system, specifically maybe the U.S.? Like, what aspect of it? I right. think it's good. I, mean, I think we should have it. Do you think it's doing its job? Do you think it's teaching kids what they should learn? Do you think that if it is teaching kids what they should learn, do you think it's doing it effectively? Okay, let's let's take a step back from this. So what is the job of the educational system to you, Mike? Mm. Why do you think we should have an educational system? What's the purpose? I think there's probably different levels to it. One of them, like a baser level, is to make sure you teach literacy. You want people to be able to read and write and understand what they're reading and writing. Okay. And then at a higher level, and this this applies to like a number of subjects, not just, it's like critical thinking. You want people to be able to look at problems and find ways to solve them or focus on ways to solve them. It took me a long time to really find the value in maths, Mm. but after some time. Do you say maths? Yeah. So you don't say math. Well, no, I say math, but I was just like, you know, because like, it's not just math. It's algebra and geometry and calculus and statistics. Okay. It's like the whole thing. So, so you were you were actually pluralizing math. Okay. Yeah, I, I am le- legitimately pluralizing Everybody maths. over here says math. Yeah, I definitely mean it in a way where it's not just anything in particular, but anything that you could put under the, the math spectrum. Okay, you know? sure. So in particular with math, something personally that I always had kind of like a difficult time trying to care about mm-hmm. as i got older it became more obvious that it was if there was a like a value even then when i realized that there was a value to it and i really cared about trying to learn it i wasn't sure what the value was and then again as i kept getting older i realized that the value in math in particular in all maths right, Plural- right. pluralizing it right is that it's ultimately like the problem-solving subject. Like it sure. gives you the critical thinking skills that maybe you might not get from reading or writing or, you know, soft sciences. Or uh, that, That's an interesting way to put it. I, I'm not sure that I would agree that it gives you critical thinking because 
I don't think that, in at least in the way that I understand critical thinking, that math really is critical thinking or trains you on how to use your mind in that way. But I, I do think that you're right, that it, it provides you systematic thinking, right? It, it, it allows you to develop skills around viewing things in a consistent way, going through processes, breaking things down and manipulating things in such a way that you can always know if you're doing it correctly because right. it's completely consistent and verified. Well, I mean, the other thing is that it, it gives you a method. And I think it's a method that's applicable to like any subject. Yes. You look at the problem, you break it down into its components, you see how they're related, and then and then you apply sure. it to the big picture. And so I think it allows you to be able to analyze right. the information and come up with your own opinion. I think math gives you the tools to allow that. Okay, so what, what you're talking about in terms of developing literacy, developing numeracy, I, I'm with you that school does train you in those areas, and I do help you to develop those skills. But... I'm not sure that when you take the bigger picture, that that is the purpose of school or the, well, the value that school provides. Oh, well, then, there we go. That's maybe where we disagree. I definitely think that school should provide, you know, the ability to analyze things, problem solve, and let you develop your own personal opinion about any, any subject. So I, I agree with that, but I don't think that it actually does well, that. Well, no, I, I, I'm not sure if it does. Right. Well, and this is, this is kind of my point. Okay, let me let me make the contrast of what I think public schools, and not even just public schools, any schools, what they generally do versus what they should do, okay? Mm-hmm. What they actually do is they train you socially, right? They, tra- they train you how to deal with people, how to follow orders, how to do something in a kind of consistent way, right? So, so they train you in terms of how to function well, in yeah, society. There's definitely a, like a heart. A hierarchy that's i don't want to use the word taught but pushed in school and, and that's that's what it does i would say pretty well for the most part and it also imparts you with a certain amount of knowledge just like pure factual mm-hmm. kind of knowledge and i would say that it also does a pretty good job of imparting certain skills like reading and writing that it absolutely does i don't think it does any of those things particularly efficiently or effectively but it does them so after more than a decade of getting these things pounded into you, you get pretty good at it. Do you think that it is effective for certain types of students versus others? Like there might be students who excel in that particular situation where they're just fed information being like, memorize this and being able to easily memorize it and use it effectively or being like, you know, here's some letters. This is how you pronounce them and enunciate them. And this is how you put them together. And that to them is all they need to be the most effective person or student they need to be? No. So, no, I don't think that schools are adapted to any student. Well, that's not what I mean. I mean, you don't think there's any students that adapt to it? Certainly everybody has to adapt to the system as it exists. But no, I don't think it serves anyone particularly well. Like no one will excel in that particular situation? Well, no, because it's not designed in such a way that it would allow for that. So, so, okay, for instance, let's, let's take reading, writing, and math just those core things, mm-hmm. right? Those right. three things are skills. Now, skills mm-hmm. are very distinct from knowledge. Okay? The way you acquire skills is quite different from knowledge. But the way that educational institutions attempt to impart skills is essentially the same way as they impart knowledge, right? So if you're sitting in an English class and the teacher is talking, you are not getting better at reading or writing. So anytime you've ever been in an English class and the teacher is talking, you're not getting better at reading and writing. 
The only way that you get better at a skill is by practicing the skill or having someone provide you feedback on the skill. Now, there is something to be said for having like concepts that apply to the skill explained, right? So certainly having some of it explained at the beginning makes some sort of sense, but that should be 5% of the time. And the other 95% of the time should be practice and feedback, practice and feedback. And that's not how it's structured. So no one's going to succeed in that setting. You know what I mean? I, I feel like there might be an unfair criticism of like rote memorization. Okay. I mean, maybe not specific to reading and writing where practice is probably a lot more important than listening. But I feel like there's a lot of the subjects where rote memorization allows for a better analysis. Well, okay. So, or even, or even you know, legitimate opinions about whatever well, the Well, hold on. Is. So, okay. So that that's the other side of this. <laughs> I, I think there is a fairness to the criticism of rote memorization. But rote memorization applies to knowledge. And this is where I think people conflate these two things. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely why I try to make the point to not apply that idea to something like reading or writing or even math. Where it's definitely something that you should practice. Right, exactly. So the idea of learning something by rote is you do it over and over again until you know it perfectly, right? And that is something that is perfectly valid for developing a skill. But if you're developing a skill, then you're not memorizing something because it's it's a different thing. Like you, if if you tell me that the United States Civil War started in 1860, I can try to memorize that. But I never will get better at that fact. You know what I mean? Like drawing is a skill. That fact is something that exists separately in isolation. And so rote memorization, I don't think is effective. I think rote memorization is terrible. Um, And I think that it's not useful when you're trying to learn information. Because we know through a lot of studies that the way people remember things is by connecting it to other information, right? They People remember things through narrative. People remember things through analogy. People remember things that relate to themselves and to other things that they already know. Right. And this might be, like, purely anecdotal on my part, right. but I think that even using rote memorization and using it even in, in, like, a narrative where you can apply the, the information that needs to be memorized with, with something else that might be relevant to it, you know? is effective for me anyways, you know what I mean? Well, but that's not really rote memorization. Rote memorization is you repeat something or you study something over and over again until you know it by heart. Yeah, I mean, that's... What we actually find is effective is trying to connect information with mnemonics or trying to connect things in narrative structure or stories or things like that. Like, that's how people remember more effectively in terms of information. Yeah. I mean, just by listening and taking notes and reading the information i don't know i retain it fairly well right but you're not memorizing it but i feel like ultimately i do have to memorize it right because i can't pull up my notes or pull up the book or well no 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 no. ask the teacher for their lecture again well and see that's the difference you need to know it but you don't need to memorize it do you understand the distinction i mean can you explain the distinction sure so i i don't know let's say i know what supply and demand is right from economics Mm -hmm. right I, i understand what those concepts are or i know when this again where when the civil war started it started in 1860. I never memorized that. I memorized the Pledge of Allegiance. So I know that word for word. If I memorize something, that means that I am actually learning it word for word. Not that I just remembered it, but that I remember it exactly and I remember it perfectly. And that's what rote memorization does. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Right. No, I mean, I hear you. But I mean, again, completely anecdotal to myself. 
But I feel like I've never been in a situation where someone's just repeated something to me over and over again until I had to just memorize what Well, but that no one, that's the whole thing. With, with rote memorization, no one repeats it to you. You repeat it yourself. It's a study technique. It's not a teaching technique. But, but that, this is all kind of beside the point. The, my point is that if you're trying to develop skills, you need a lot of repetition. If you're trying to learn knowledge, there are these other techniques like using mnemonics and using spaced repetition and things like that that are dramatically more effective. Those two things need to be separate. And this is where modern educational systems generally break down. They need to be teaching certain fundamental skills. Mm -hmm. In addition to the fundamental skills that we talked about before, reading and writing in particular, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but they need to teach people how to think, how to learn, and how to deal with people. Now, we already talked about they do a pretty good job of teaching people how to deal with people. Right. But they don't teach people how to learn at all, I would say. And they don't really teach people how to think. You know, one of my favorite teachers, mm. absolutely eccentric, but he did a very, very good job of forcing me to learn something. Okay. By simply just, whenever he discussed something and I thought maybe I had like a tidbit of information or I thought I understood something, and I would make a comment about it or I'd raise my hand and try to add to whatever sure. he was saying, he'd be like, prove it, look it up, you're wrong, let me tell you why you're wrong, and sort of make me... Not necessarily like hesitant or uncomfortable to share anything in class, but always sort of double check my information. Okay. You know, kind of like be a little more critical about about what I had to say. Not always just be so free to be like, well, this is what I heard, or I think I read this somewhere. Just be very particular about what I knew and what I what I had to share. Hmm. Okay. And it wasn't him berating or embarrassing anyone. It was just, you know, if you feel like you understand something or you think you're confident enough to share something, be sure that you have the right information or, or you're prepared to defend whatever it is you think it is. That know. sounds useful. It was very, yeah, it was very different. It's probably not something I'd have experienced It's before, good to challenge people like that. Class. It's good for a teacher to challenge people like that. Like that, that is extremely useful. Yeah. But I don't think that's the same thing yeah. as teaching you how to learn. I think, I think it kind of forces you to be a lot more critical and mindful of what you're saying or doing or reading. That's true. Which I, I well, feel like it, improves. Okay, so I think it hold does on, improve hold on, your hold learning. On. That, it does improve your learning. It, it, I'm not it, disagreeing that it doesn't improve your learning. But what I'm saying is if you look at something, say marine biology, sure. you know nothing about marine biology. Absolutely And you not. want to go learn about marine biology. Let's pretend I do. How do you do that? What do you do? What techniques do you use to learn? What materials do you use? How do you determine if those materials are good? That whole process of how do you take something that you don't know and then know it, that's what schools should be teaching students. All right. So they should be... Do you know what I mean? So are you saying that they shouldn't only be teaching information, but they should be teaching them how to learn information? Yes. Isn't that just like an entirely different subject on its own? Like, how would you even apply that? Yes, it that? is. How would you even apply that to the school system? How do you put that in someone's mind? How do you... Well, there are certain specific techniques that people can use. So I, I would take it back to what I was saying earlier about the di distinction between knowledge and skills, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear to us how to develop a skill. Like if you want to learn how to draw or you want to learn a language, mm -hmm. there are certain aspects of it. Like you want to look at the skill, you want to break it down into its component parts and you want to practice those component parts mm -hmm. and then reintegrate them and right. practice them together. And, and, and you want to go through the process of practicing this checking it, getting feedback, practicing, checking, getting feedback. And that's what you want to do in order to improve your skill. That's not something that is taught to anybody. 
if you wanted to teach people how to gain new skills, what I would say is schools already try to teach you certain skills, right? Mm -hmm. They try to teach you how to read. They try to teach you how to write. They try to teach you things with sports. They try to teach you things with math. What I would say is at the beginning of whenever they're trying to teach you something, whenever they're introducing a new skill, mm -hmm. they should break it down and explain to you these component parts, explain to you how to learn these component parts. And then when they're testing you on the material, they should not just test you on did you learn the skill, but they should test you on do you understand how to learn a new skill. And then later on in school, let's say when you're 16 or 17, they should give you options for different skills that you can try to gain like let's say you have a course okay and you say okay i'm going to learn i don't know auto shop or something and instead of having an instructor break it all down for you they have you teach yourself with support from an instructor oh, I see. do you know what i mean mm -hmm. because it's very important as an adult that you can figure things out and learn things on your own especially now that you can access almost any kind of information anywhere for free right you know, it's actually a very interesting and fascinating thing for me as someone who works in a field that deals with a lot of people. Mm. You would be surprised how little people know about the thing they're doing in regards to purchasing something or ordering something or, or how little they're willing to do. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's like a failure in their willingness to learn or just laziness. And it might seem a little random to what you're saying, but I think if you implemented a system in particular where you kind of forced individuals to figure things out on their own in a certain like structured environment where they got help whenever they failed right it would probably avoid a lot of really stupid issues that i've dealt with for people where they ask questions for things that are literally right in front of their faces yes. you know what i mean well and that's one of the other skills that they that need to be taught to people which is how to think right how to learn is one thing and how to think is another thing and both of those are skills that people need as adults that people well, are not instructed I, in. I think they could definitely be interchangeable because once you teach someone how to be inquisitive about something and experiment, that's when they start really thinking about everything they do. Right, but there's an important distinction between knowing how to think and knowing how to learn. Knowing how to think deals with being able to look at a piece of information and understand it and break it down. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's how to analyze information, not how to retain that information or to how to gain a new well, skill. That's not what I mean. I mean, this like kind of much baser level, something as easy as being given right. instructions and then just looking at them and being like, nope, this is not for me or reading the instructions and just not acknowledging them. I, I don't know. How right. To like somebody it. buys someone from Ikea, they just want to figure it out on their own or not, not even that. I've had people call me or email me or come in in person and ask me something like, I don't know how the Bluetooth works for a vehicle sure. or I don't understand how to return this package. And it's just really easy. It's not something that Google won't help you with. Or you sitting inside of a car and just pressing a button and figuring out if it works or doesn't work won't help you with. And they just... They don't have the capacity for that. Well, and they don't have the intention to do that. They don't want to do that, right? They don't. They have no desire for that. I mean, I've lamented many times over the years about how many people I talk to seem to not think, not even in terms of decision-making, but when you talk to somebody and they've just never thought about a topic, mm -hmm. like so many people just don't think about things very much. And that's because they weren't really taught the processes of how to think and they weren't taught how to apply it consistently and reliably. It's kind of like being an athlete where if you are never really taught how to run effectively, let's say, and you never practice running, if you try to run, it'll exhaust you, it'll wear you out, you'll be completely dead and you'll be worn out for the rest of the day. And so people that don't think, if they try to think and they try to apply themselves, 
they'll just be completely worn out. But if you do it all the time, then you can apply yourself mentally to things for hours and hours and hours, you know what I mean? Right. Well, then I have a question for you, John. How do you make people think? You ask them questions. Like a test will ask questions. Teachers will ask questions. What... Like what are the questions? What are what are the methods? How do you how do you really force someone to think about something? Is there something our school isn't doing that's forcing people to think about anything? Yes. Or do you think it's just like naturally within the person not to think about things? No. So I think I think the educational system and our society generally is too ready to just provide answers. I think that students should be made to come up with answers from within themselves. You know what I mean? I, I think that the Socratic method is an extremely valuable thing in forcing people to think, and it is not applied enough at a young enough age. I think when children begin to believe and understand that they can come up with answers independent of external sources, that mm-hmm. is an extremely valuable thing for them to start to grasp. Despite Go ahead. the fact that they may be right or wrong? That's beside the point. Like this, just the fact that they are able to come to their own conclusions. Right, because you're teaching them how to think, right? You're not teaching them how to check. Right. You're not teaching them how to look something up. You're teaching them how to think. So you have to show someone information and see what they can draw out of that information and then point out things that they haven't drawn out or ask them next level questions to further break down the things that they came up with, right? Like th- this is how you force people to think. Like that. that's how that works. And that's a skill that a lot of people just don't develop because if you don't tell someone that they're supposed to learn something, they won't focus on it, right? Right. In in school, so many people focus on, oh, well, I want to have the right answer. That actually brings up something I wanted to ask you. Okay. Should children in general, not necessarily just like children in schools, should they be taught to fail? Should failure be something that they're able to be comfortable with? Because, you know, I think a lot of people as adults have this whole fear of failing or rejection. Or right. They associate it with shame or badness. Sure. So, like, as a student, should you be allowed to fail? Should failure just be not necessarily plotted, but just part of the process of learning? Well, I think right. That... Like, if someone... Okay, go ahead. If, if, you know, the way that a teacher measures something is whether you're right or wrong. Yeah. So, if you're wrong about something then you get a bad grade and if you get a bad grade then you're afraid of doing poorly because then it, it affects whether or not you advance or whether or not yeah you're successful or whatever the case is the whole framing of it is wrong because the the standards by which society generally judges success and failure within the educational system is i think poorly framed right so for instance if a student fails in a class what that means is mm-hmm. that they either don't have the skills or the knowledge that they were supposed to acquire during that class. Right. Well, I don't necessarily mean overall. Like, I don't mean over the course of a year. But, you know, failing could be something that does lead to not applying yourself to a class and not passing the class. I just well, mean, but, like... Okay, so what I'm saying by it being misframed is that I don't think that people should think about not having learned something at the end of a day or period or what have you as failing. I think they should look at that as feedback. This is one of my issues with grading systems generally the idea that you can pass or you can fail is kind of a silly concept to begin with okay that's because you either know something or you don't know something so is there like an alternative that you personally have because i i think that there should definitely be an environment that encourages you to put forth an effort into figuring something out regardless of whether the outcome is correct or incorrect right but rather letting you know if for some reason the outcome is incorrect where you went wrong how you went wrong what you could do next time 
what you should avoid, as opposed to being like, well, it was wrong, here's right. that. Right. The way you know I mean? school systems are set up today, they are essentially rating people and they are assessing people as opposed to providing feedback. Feedback right. is, is one of the primary mechanisms by which we learn. Like everyone always says, right. you learn so much more from failure than success. Well, it's not that you learn more from failure than success. It's that when something doesn't work, it provides you information. When something does work, it doesn't provide you additional information. Right, because you just know that it worked as opposed to a failure it makes you think, why did it fail? How did it fail? What can I do to avoid that? Well, and not just what can I do to avoid that, but this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. It broke down in this way because of this. It provides you a whole lot right. of very specific feedback. And that's what the mm -hmm. educational system mm -hmm. should be designed to do for children. But it doesn't. It's designed to weed people out and rate people. I understood. So, John, so we see these failures in our school system. What can we do to change it? How can we approve it, do you think? Well, yeah, it's it's hard because if you're trying to function within the structures that we already have, it's very difficult to reform them in an effective way. High schools are somewhat adapted to what universities want them to do, and primary schools and middle schools are somewhat adapted to what high schools need them to do. And so you have to kind of change the whole system in order to affect this. Well, where do you start then? I would say you start by communicating to to teachers about how people learn. I mean, that's the first thing is you start to inform right. teachers so that teachers understand this. Because let me tell you, teachers don't understand this. Right. Well, I mean, you know, teachers are human beings. They know how they learn. But they try to apply those things too. Like, how but do But they you... don't know how they learn. Well, I mean, whether or not they don't, I mean, I feel like most people who, who learn anything understand how they learn the things that they do. Do you learned. think they do? Really? How did you learn how to write? Practice. Okay, but if you tell someone, this is how you learn how to write, practice, they need specifics. You need to break it down. This is what I'm, I mean, this is what I'm saying. But I'm not a teacher. I, I don't have the skills to teach someone how to write. But I mean, the I, teachers are not taught how people learn. This is my point. Do you understand what I mean? I do. I thought you were going to follow yeah, up. Yeah, so, so, so when I... Silently listen. <laughs> Sorry, okay, okay. Yeah. John likes to talk a lot and then ask questions. Uh-huh. So, okay, so what I was talking about in terms of that concept mm -hmm. around skill development and how skills Go are learned. On. None of that is taught in teacher training. Teachers don't learn that. And school subjects are not broken down into chunks where you're talking about develop this skill, learn this knowledge, things like that. And it's never explained mm -hmm. to children what the distinction between those is. So I think that if teachers began to understand more in teacher training, what the distinctions between skills and knowledge are and how to learn skills and knowledge, and how to integrate skills and knowledge, they would then transfer that to students kind of automatically because they understood it better. And that over the long run, you could see reform in terms of how the curriculum is structured. But in in the short term, what I would say is people just need to figure it out for themselves. If you're a parent, right. teach your children. Because when I graduated university, I had never been taught how to learn. And I've spent the last several years trying to figure out, well, how do you learn a language? Because when I studied it in school, it wasn't very effectively taught to me. Right. How do I learn how to write well? How do I learn how to draw? How do I learn video editing? You know, like, right. how do you learn these things? You know, where I used to work. Yeah. My boss, he was like a Persian. Right. And I mean, I don't think this was like something he did consciously. Okay. But anytime, since the first day I worked there, yeah. he did this thing where he would just be like, here you go, figure it out. You're on your own. Sink or swim. Yeah. You know? And despite whether or not I sank or swim, you know, whether I was successful with what he left me to do or sure. not, he would never be like, oh, you failed, you succeeded, congratulations, shame. There was never like one or the other. It was always like, oh, it's okay if you messed up. This is what you did wrong. Yeah, You know sure. what I mean? 
but it also forced me to do it. And whether I did it wrong or not, I did it. So I knew how to do it. And so if I if I messed up, he was like, well, here's where you messed up. Now you know where not to mess up. Now you know how to really do it. And it was been very effective professionally and personally, that ability to just do something. Right. You know what I mean? And this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. That's the technique that I was describing before, where you say to someone, go learn this thing on your own. They figure out how to learn it. And then you provide them correction and feedback. That is, that is teaching someone how to learn. Now, it would be much nicer if it was explicitly stated. And if you actually broke down to this person in advance, this is how it works. Right. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I do think it's very important that it's explicitly stated. Like your boss never explicitly stated that this was the intention, right? I mean, I don't know if he ever did consciously. Right, thing, sure. You know what I mean? So I don't think he did that with the idea that he was teaching you something. I think he did it with the idea that it was like, here you go. Just expect you to know it. Yeah. And if I didn't know it, he would just kind of chuckle and be like, oh, it's okay. I've done that sure. wrong. Don't do it wrong. Yeah. Here's how you do it right. Well, and he's probably you know? developed this way of doing things over years of just kind of doing it and, and picking it up. Right. And I, and, and I think personally him as an individual, he's been like, he's always been like a very hands-on person. Sure. So for him, it's just like, yeah, here it is. Yeah. Be hands-on. And so to me, that's actually helped me a lot. This is exactly the key because one of the things that I understood coming out of school is that I knew how to think. I knew how to learn pretty well, not in a systematic way, but I could kind of learn things. But I definitely knew how to think coming out of school because I figured that out over the course of going to school. But if you don't explicitly teach people how to think and how to learn, while some people will figure it out, and clearly some people do figure it out, people know how to think, right? But a lot of people won't figure it out. And that's the whole thing. Right. Well, then how do we help them figure it out? You explicitly teach them. This is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, but what's your definition of you just teach them? Okay, let's, for instance, take English. If you take English in high school, essentially you take four years of literature, where the primary thing that you do True. is read books and poems and write about those books and poems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's yes. never explicitly stated during that entire time what skills they're trying to teach you. I mean, it's definitely analysis. Right, but if I t- say I'm going to teach you how to write, that's not specific enough you know what i mean like if you want it to actually break it down you want to say i want to teach you how to structure information sentence structure or i want to teach you how to creatively come up with ideas how to form dialogue there's a whole lot of things that you can be teaching people but you're not explicitly explaining what you're trying to teach them i mean i think it would be helpful in some particular situations because you know a lot of english literature classes yeah they ask you for like a draft of your essay before you send it out. And I feel like people really underestimate the, the value of having someone read what you're writing before you complete your writing. True. Right, that feedback, yeah. that that review, whatever yeah. it is. Because I feel like it, it has that same application, that like sink, sink or swim sort of idea where somebody will look at what you wrote and go, well, this is where you made the mistake and that's where you made the mistake. Fix those things. If you fix those things and you're more like conscious of the mistakes you're making then you'll know how to do it better than right but the mindset of the student is the issue or one of the issues in an english literature class what the student thinks they're trying to do is they're trying to read something and they're trying to understand what they read they don't think they're trying to learn how to write they don't think they're trying to develop these specific skills they think oh i need to learn what charles dickens says about this in this book Right? That's what they think they're supposed to be learning. Well, I mean, I don't think English literature necessarily is something that is trying to teach you how to write, but it's definitely 
teaching you how to think about what you're reading and sort of develop an opinion of what what information you're consuming i i've also noticed that there is sort of this like failure and i, I mean i think that might be too harsh for work but there's definitely this this disconnect between teachers and students and i think it might be because a teacher already knows what they're doing yeah and so maybe not through fault of their own maybe it might just be a fault of their familiarity with what they're trying to teach or what they're trying to get across they don't explain it properly and i'm sure it's really hard to do you know if someone's like really good at something or an expert at something and they're trying to teach it to someone else and they get frustrated because they're like well how do you not get it you know like i get it and they forget that they've been doing it for like 10 years and so I think that there's this failure in a lot of teachers' parts where they're like, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. And they don't really elaborate the way they ought to because they're so familiar with the thing that they've been doing that they almost forget that there's a bunch of people who are totally ignorant of something that's that true. they're so intimate. That's, that's and true and that's with. fair. But like, I think the way that you deal with that is by providing a systematic solution. Again, even if you're really good at Well, math. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily whether or not you're good at it, it's just how familiar you are with it, that when you try to explain something to someone who's not familiar with it, using the perspective of familiarity, it's hard for someone to grasp. Right, it's hard to break yourself back down into being a Right, and it's hard for the beginner to try to understand what the master is trying to explain the way a master would understand. And I remember back in college when I was trying to teach people how to play tuba or play trombone or something like that, dealing with a complete beginner who couldn't read music and didn't know anything about brass instruments and trying to put myself back in the shoes of someone who had never played before. You know, that that's not an easy thing to do. But it's a much easier thing to do when you understand what you're trying to do. When you understand, well, what I'm trying to do is get them to be able to make this sound. Okay. That's much easier than right. when you look at somebody in English literature where what is the teacher trying to do? Is he trying to make sure that they can analyze information? Is he trying to make sure that they know what Withering Heights talks about? Is he trying to make sure that they can no. write well? I'll be honest. I think English literature is really just reading yeah. comprehension at a really advanced level. Yes. And so I think sometimes people miss that. It's just, did you understand the reading? What's your opinion? I feel like that's the only significant difference between just reading comprehension and analysis is that analysis sort of requires an opinion. Right, but either way, English classes are the only place where we are explicitly taught and develop our ideas around how to write and how to structure information in narrative fashion. And what you're saying is all of the other important aspects of this, of how to write convincing or informative or thought-provoking prose or dialogue or creative writing, all of that is completely neglected from the current school curriculum, which is equally problematic if they're not supposed to teach those skills at all. Right. But that's not necessarily always useful in every setting. Like, you don't always need good prose. You don't need to be an effective creative writer. I mean, for some jobs or you know, some circumstances that might be valuable. But like, how do you choose? Like, how do you determine? Well, that's, that's a whole, that's, that's a whole nother subject in terms of deciding what should be in the curriculum in terms of right. specific subject matter. I mean, we might not have time for that. The, the core thing is that when you come out of school, you should know how to further your education because you have to continue to learn for the rest of your life. And well, that's definitely we true. don't currently instruct people in that way. And so some people figure that out. And then they can go on learning the rest of their lives. But a lot of people don't figure that out. And so they get out of high school and they essentially never learn anything ever again. You know, and that's a really wild concept to me because, again, like in a professional setting, I've had employers 
like owners of company yeah. when interviewing or working at a place give me like constructive criticism or feedback about parts where I was not doing sure. my job as well as I could be doing or whatever the case is and they literally had to tell me after every criticism or after every time they had feedback for me it would be like you know I'm not attacking you you know I'm just trying to help you and it was it was right. weird because I understood what they were doing right I was like yes I know you're trying to help me I get it I did something wrong you're just giving me you know correction feedback yeah and so I was like I understand that but they're having to preface their feedback or criticism with like a you know it's not personal right. I'm not attacking you I don't want you to feel bad like I don't know it was it seemed yeah. unnecessary but it, it had me thinking like is this is this like a common thing that they had to deal with trying to give someone feedback and then that person becoming really people take defensive. these things very personally and that all is derivative from how people are dealt with in school that if you get bad marks it's an insult right. it's a bad thing it's like you're stupid yeah this right. is exactly yes you're right so i think in that regard if there should be i don't know amendment to anything particular with the school system might be things like progress reports or mid-semester grades or mid-year grades i remember throughout any year of school getting three or four report cards yeah. before the end of the year with just like a or f or B sure. or D yeah. or C or whatever it was, right? That that doesn't really help me or right. hurt me or do anything other than tell me either I'm doing what you want me to be doing or I'm not yes. doing what you want me to be doing. But in some cases, it's like, even if I am doing what you want me to be doing, is there a way I could be doing it better? And I feel like that's also another like failure on the system as a whole. It's, if you are not succeeding, it's easy to give them feedback for what, what they're missing or sure. how they're doing it wrong or why they're doing it wrong. But I feel like even people who are doing it right Maybe they're still missing parts. How do, how do you create feedback for the people who are doing something right? Like, what if, what if they're just misunderstanding this concept? And despite the fact that they meet nine out of the ten criteria, it's like, well, what could they be doing to improve on right? The tenth and that's one, or... I mean, school should be pushing everyone to constantly be improving because there is more to be learned. Like, there's no fourteen year old that knows everything that need they need to know about history, for instance. Right. That's not the reality. So I'm completely right. with you. But so much of this comes down to mm -hmm. the student doesn't understand what they don't understand. They don't understand what they're supposed to be learning, how they're supposed to be learning it, and no one ever communicates it to them. Like one of the things that has become really clear to me in the last few years is that I remember things really well compared to most people I know. And I think- You remember things well. I think one of the reasons why I remember things well is because I mull things over a lot and I think about the things that I talk to people about and that I read and that I listen to a lot. And I am constantly comparing them and contrasting them to other things that I already know. I'm constantly trying to find analogies and make analogies in my mind between this information I learned about World War II and this information that I learned about the Civil War or whatever it is. And Right. It's funny. It's like interesting that you have this really like like I don't know, like introspective and thoughtful process of why you're able to remember certain things really well versus other people. And I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that my memory is as good as yours when it comes to facts and knowledge. Sure. But generally in my experience I also tend to have a memory better than like a lot of people that I talk to or know. Sure. And it's not nearly as impressive as why you have a better memory about things. A lot of the time for me it's just, oh, that's cool. But you never think about it again? <laughs> I mean, of course I think about it, but it's not something that I like run through my mind and go, well, how? Well, okay, because I've spent the last four years trying to learn things and figuring out, well, how do I learn things? 
How do I improve? How do I learn things faster and more efficiently? It's made me think about, well, why is my memory better than other people's? What things do I do? And when I told you before that some people I talk to and they just never think about things, this is something that hit me at one point that the reason that I remember things better than a lot of people is because I'm actively thinking and comparing and, and analyzing everything that I, is coming into my mind. And I do it all the time. That, that's fair. I mean... When something does come up, I, I like to think about it, and sometimes I do compare it to things I already know. And yeah. a lot of the time, well, I know things are wandering around in your head all right. the time. Yeah. And then there's this other, and this might be the biggest factor in why I probably have a better memory than other people. It's just mm. I think it's valuable information, and I want to share it. Sure. Like I don't necessarily want to teach it, but if the subject comes up, I'm like, oh, you know, it's really important to learn about that. You should know this because it's pretty valuable information, just in case you were wondering. And so. But but this is this is exactly it. We both remember things pretty well because of things that are going on in our minds that no one else can see. No one else knows that we do these things unless we explicitly tell someone. So if a student is sitting through classes for 10 years at school and can't remember things for the life of them, and they have no idea or understanding, why can't I remember things? Oh, you're not studying enough. Well, is it really that you're not studying enough? Or is it that there are these things like thinking about it, comparing it, analyzing the information that would allow you to do this? That's true. Like the difference, I think, between kids that remember things really well and people that don't remember things really well is that they do different things in their head with the information after it comes right. in that causes it to stick there. But no one no one sees that. No one can see that. And it's not communicated to students at right. all. Any of the things that could make that more right. effective. So them. I've had this valuable interaction with pretty much all my English teachers that I've had in college. Okay. And Anytime they give us like an article to read or have us do research or whatever whatever it is that they want us to do, they're yeah. always like, so you have all this information, so what? They give us an article to read and we discuss it in class and we're like, well, I thought this was interesting or I thought that was interesting. And like, okay, why did you think it was interesting? So what? Why does that matter? Sure. And then it's like this weird like breaking down and compartmentalizing the information and being like, well, so what? Break it down. Why is that important? Why are those smaller things important? Mm. Why is anything that you're saying important? And I always think that's really valuable. And I feel like maybe, you know, growing up, like when I think about like middle school and high school, I've never had any teacher be like, oh, so what that you know that? Why does that matter? Tell me why that matters. Because it gives you something to think about. Like, why does it matter? Right. How does that relate? How could you apply that? Where do you apply it? And I think... That even something that simple, when you're in class learning something and you raise your hand and you're like, I know the answer, and they give you the answer and you go, so what? Why is that important? I feel like it would be a very effective tool for Well, and that, that is them teaching, teaching you how to think. Yeah. And I think that is an extremely valuable thing that isn't done enough. And that would be even better if they explicitly, after they went through that process, said, this is a skill that you can use to understand things. Like, you got that automatically that obviously this is something that you can use to understand and analyze information in a better way and to think better. But a lot of students would just be trying to come up with the right answer after that. Why does this matter? Well, what's the right answer? What am I looking for? Right. They, they won't automatically understand, oh, they're teaching me a skill right. that is how to develop my ability to think. And I think it's weird because I've had this conversation with a lot of people, you know, like, and a lot of these people are like already graduated with like bachelor's degrees, right? And they talk about how they're sure they they were like too embarrassed to share their opinion in class because they thought yeah. their opinion was wrong, right? And it's like, but it's your opinion. The discussion you're having is an opinion-based discussion, right? Even if a hundred people in your class thinks this one thing, you're allowed to have a different opinion. Nothing's right, nothing's wrong. That's why it's an opinion. And so it's wild to me. Because, you know, ever since I've had these teachers kind of, like, 
forced me to think about, oh, well, why do you think that? Do you have proof? Show me the proof. Where is it? Is it in the, is it in the reading? Is it in the whatever, you know? Break it down for me. Like, tell yeah. me how this is right, you know? Sure. And so it's it's wild to have these conversations with people that have a bachelor's degree still be uncertain about their own opinion about something that they've spent years learning. Well, and you can question it's your like, own opinion. But... Right, but it's like, why should you feel embarrassed that your answer is wrong when they're like, there can't possibly be a wrong answer about an opinion, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even the instructor can't tell you whether you're right or wrong about something that's totally subjective. And people will go all the way through their bachelors, they'll go through their masters. You have professors with their PhDs who haven't really thought about and dealt with the issues that we're talking about because it's never addressed at any point in the educational system. That, that I think, is counterproductive. Just a quick recap as far as the educational system thing, I feel like we're both in agreement that students should be forced to consider why anything they think is important. That's what I think. And John, go ahead, add some recap of your own thoughts and opinions. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yes, people should be taught how to think and taught how to learn and taught these as explicit skills, things that they can develop. Uh -huh. No, They shouldn't be taught intelligence is innate and that you're born with it and either you're good at something or you're not because that's very much not... The yeah, the and it's also okay to fail as long as you're conscious Whoa. of where you failed, right? It's okay to struggle while you learn. Yeah, yeah, that's even beside the point. Like, there are lots of people that don't know stuff. If you if you don't know something this month, like it always blew my mind when you were a freshman in high school or something, and you didn't know something for geometry. Well, you're gonna know it by the end of the year. So it's not. It's just about timing and when you learn and how quick you learn it. But anyway, yes. Yes, failure, as if you want to call it failure, should definitely not be attacked a negative. Yes. Today, Mike, I think we were... Sorry. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Today, I was thinking we should close with some recommendations for the people. All right, we're going to close this out. Yes. There is a book that is not new, and so a lot of you will probably have heard of it, uh, called Getting Things Done. I don't know if you've heard of it, Mike, or if you've read it, but... I have not I've been going through the process of organizing myself for the last couple of years and trying to figure out productivity systems, trying to figure out how to manage myself and manage my tasks and give myself feedback so that I could learn in the way that we were talking about this whole thing, trying to he develop to be his own teacher. Yes, essentially. Right. I want to I want to develop these skills so that I can manage myself and continually push myself and grow. Um, and getting things done is a useful introduction in terms of thinking about how to be very intentional about deciding what you're doing at any given moment and setting priorities and deciding what tasks you should be doing at a given time. So it gives you a nice structure and framework to help you think through that issue of how you manage yourself. And it's extremely useful. It's probably the most useful uh, organizational productivity book that I've ever read. And so, yeah, I would just suggest it to anybody who's looking to organize themselves. There's some technology you can look into, like what we talked about last episode. But in terms of the planning side of it and the organizational side of it, getting things done is a really good introduction to how you should think about some of those things, I think. Who's the author? Uh, David Allen. Ah, good old Dave. Never lets it down. Yeah. I think, it, I think it came out in like 2001 or something, but it's still extremely relevant and useful. I think some of the way that he talks about things I disagree with, but in terms of getting your foot in the door and trying to think about organizing yourself if you've never really thought about it before, it's, it's a really useful read. And just for the record, that's totally his opinion. You guys are allowed to think very different than he does. That's the whole point of this episode. Thanks, what? Mike, for giving everybody permission. <laughs> oh, man. Hi. What's your recommendation, Mike? 
Alright, so uh, I recently read this article called Some of My Best Friends Are Germs. The author is Michael Pollan. Yeah. And it's actually a very interesting, interesting read. Because I feel like we're living in a world today where we're trying to avoid germs and bacteria and we have all this like all these like antibacterial soaps and, and you know you don't want to get your hands dirty and you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that and it's yeah sure it's, you know we live in this very like sterile sort of world I feel like a lot of people try to be as clean and sterile as they can be a lot of people are afraid of and, germs yeah right and this article is just like a very enlightening article about you know our body has a lot of bacteria it helps us there's a very symbiotic relationship between it and improves our health. You think it's good for general reading, general consumption, or do you kind of already have to know something about the topic to get into it? No, no, you don't. It's it's very informative, and you don't have to be like an expert on the subject or anything like that at all. Nice, cool. And it sort of gives you like a interesting perspective that you might not ordinarily have, and it also even gives you some suggestions about how to improve your health through germs. What was it published in? Where would people find it? We'll post a link in the show notes. Well, it was recommended to me by a teacher okay. who then was like, oh, here's the PDF. I have it. So I'll have to look for it, and I'll find it, and I'll try to get a link out there. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes either way. Yeah, sure. Accessible, yeah. yes. All right, cool. But, uh, but it's definitely cool, and everyone should read it. Um, all right, everyone, we will see you next week. and If you're lucky. Yeah, right. Uh, you can find this episode at subjectradio.com slash wwots slash 004. You can always post comments and send us feedback through the Reddit or on the website, subjectradio.com. Yes. Let us know. We love feedback. Yes, we do. I'm kind of obsessed with feedback. It's kind of my favorite thing. So yeah. It's only my third favorite thing after breathing. I guess food. we'll see you guys next week. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Mike? All right. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye.
Holy crap, I cannot talk today. I'm so sorry, everybody. Even John's getting tired of listening to me talk like a moron.